Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. I'm Oliver Hartwig and today we're joined once again by Matt Burgess. Hi Matt. Hi Oliver. We want to talk the politics of climate change for change. And something really important happened over the last few weeks. Our carbon price has skyrocketed. It's currently at around $48 a ton. It used to be just about 35 just about a year ago. It used to be around 20, maybe two or three years ago. So something has happened. We don't quite know what, but $48 is significant. Why? Well, $48 is disturbingly close to $50, and that's the level at which the price cap in the ETS currently sits. Now, most people would have never heard of a price cap. We know about the quantity cap, of course, because we know that the total emissions are limited in our system, but there's a price cap too. Yeah, that's right. So there's reforms to the ETS last year, led by James Shaw, introduced um, a hard quantity cap on emissions to the ETS. So finally, we have a cap-and-trade scheme that actually caps emissions, a welcome innovation uh, and a very uh, uh, overdue and well-delivered by Shaw. Part of the deal um, within this is another cap, which is a price cap, and that's there to give assurance to households and businesses that uh, they have protection from outrageous increases in the carbon price. Now, but that's really weird, because typically when you cap stuff, either you cap the quantity or you cap the price, but our system caps both. How? Well, this is the clever thing that was introduced last year. We've got a price cap. Under the old system... Giving effect to the price cap meant you were effectively allowing emissions, overall emissions to go up. You gave effect to that price cap by selling more units, and that meant more emissions. Under the new model, the price cap is given effect in a way that emissions don't rise. And the way that it works is that when the government sells additional units into the market to give effect to the price cap, that's how you keep things at $50. You just sell more units to um, satisfy that demand. Now the government for some of the units it sells, has to back those additional units. And what that means is that they have to offset every additional unit they're selling to the market means more emissions coming from the ETS. The government has to offset those extra emissions so that overall emissions don't rise. Genius, right? It's actually quite clever. You know, it's not a small thing to bring in a price cap in a way that still leaves emissions uh, capped. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is, how do you actually offset those extra emissions? How does the government actually do this? Hang on, they don't know that? Well, I think they've probably got quite a good idea. They've had a bit of time to think about it, but not quite enough to give effect to all the things that have to happen to put the systems and processes in place to uh, offset emissions. Why didn't they think about the details? Well, there's an awful lot going on. I do know that um, officials are stretched in all departments, but especially the Ministry for the Environment. I've been told that they are just exhausted with all the work that's going on, RMA, climate and so on. So this is probably something that they thought they had a bit more time to achieve, and perfectly reasonably um, they might have thought they had another couple of years to put the systems and processes in place. So here's the problem. The government has this obligation. If we hit the cap in the next auction of the ETS or the one after... Which we probably will. I think there's a pretty good chance we will, but you can never say for sure. Something could happen between now and then. Prices go down, you know, a bit like Bitcoin. But but the European price is already above that. European prices are something close to double ours, right? And prices have been going vertical in Europe, although for their own reasons. But this is a worldwide thing. Emissions units are going up. So we are likely to get to that price. And then what? 
We're likely to get to that price. If the price cap is reached um, and enough units are sold, then the government suddenly has this obligation to back some of its units or offset, find ways to offset the additional emissions that are going to come from the ETS. And when you're a government, it's not just a matter of planting more trees. You've got to have... You've got to do it in a way that's credible, that gives you a credible promise, a credible promise that emissions aren't just capped this year or the next, but 20 or 30 years from now under different parliament, under different governments. And that takes, uh, there's a lot of machinery potentially that you have to put in place so that you can stand up, give assurance to the public about that and be believed. Okay, I get that. But the government, of course, could also just say, okay, fine, $50 was a nice cap, but Let's make it 70 from next year. That is a short-term solution that I thought was what the government was going to do. Earlier this week, James Shaw has ruled that out. The legislation doesn't allow it. and For this year? For this year. Uh, and we've got two auctions between now and the end of the year, so there's plenty of time to hit that cap. Yeah, okay, and, but it could do it next year then. Well, potentially, but we could hit the cap um, this year. Okay, but, but what I'm saying is he would only have to bridge the gap now till next year. Right, but... The government could take on these complicated obligations and it's not clear whether it ha has any option other than to find a way to offset those emissions immediately. Next year there's a reset and it has the option to raise the cap. Um, but ultimately, wherever this price cap is, it's going. it has the potential or maybe actual obligation to find ways to offsets and the machinery that needs to be in place to give effect to that just isn't there yet. Okay, but just to be absolutely clear, we're talking about maximum... 7 million tonnes of carbon emissions. Actually, we're for only part of that needs to be actually offset. Okay, um, 1.6 million units may have to be offset. That doesn't sound too complicated. If I had a few million dollars to spare, I could probably buy 1.6 million tonnes of offsets somewhere because these markets exist internationally. Yeah, so there are ways to solve the problem that really do cut emissions genuinely, but it's more complicated than that. So let's just go through the options very quickly. Okay. The government could um, find an empty patch of crown land somewhere and plant um, several thousand hectares of trees, potentially. Which it wanted to do anyway because of the billion trees policy. Right. And as long as those trees stay outside the ETS, they never come in either not this year or next year or 30 years from now, that's actually going to be offset that back their units. All right? Okay, that sounds simple. Another possibility is, well, it's not, but let's, we'll come back to that. Okay. Uh, another possibility is that the government looks offshore, uh, could potentially go to the European ETS, the world's largest carbon market, certainly mm -hmm. a credible market. It could buy units on the European market and shred them so nobody else can use them. That would give effect to the... That also sounds simple. Now, the problem with that approach, well, there's a couple of problems. One is... Uh, the New Zealand government does not have an ag agreement with the EU to go and do that, and maybe it could just do that, but it, there's diplomacy. You've got to um, have just an agreement in place, question. probably. Do you need an agreement from the European Union to even buy units from the European system? I would expect so, although the European Union has actually signalled that it's open to the idea of other countries coming in to, um, and buying up emissions units there. But okay. I would expect normal practice that government-to-government -government transactions um, would involve an agreement, and agreements take time. The other problem is that European carbon prices are nearly double ours, right? So if the government wants to back 1.6 million units, it's looking at writing a cheque for 60 or $70 million. Okay, so complicated tool. Option number three. Well, there's um, more than two dozen other emissions trading schemes around the world. The government could look at one or more of those. And prices on um, most of them are going to be a lot more affordable, possibly cheaper than ours. The problem there is that which one of those, which ones of those uh, ETSs are actually credible? Um, it takes time and effort to work that out. Probably not Ukraine. Probably not Ukraine, but maybe Korea. 
maybe um, the others. I think there's at least 27 other ETSs around the world. But working out which of those are sufficiently credible that you can be taken seriously when you say you've backed your units um, here with that ETS, that which, takes time and effort. So just to recap then, there are three options in which you could deal with that problem. Well, there's, there's actually lots of options, right? The government could fund... There's unlimited options. The government has to offset emissions, and there's there's millions of ways you can do that. But all of them have a, all of them over, hanging over all of it. Whichever way the government goes is the the credibility question. It's not enough just to write a check. You have to be able to demonstrate that it's genuine. And actually, the government supporters have pretty high standards um, when it comes to emissions. They're not they don't like it when you just write a check. In the long run, you would probably get rid of the cap. So there's there is a question here about why you need a price cap at all. So I think it is there for a reason, which is that it gives ministers something they can point to that gives assurance um, that there are checks and balances that will prevent spikes in carbon prices ultimately um, filtering back to households and causing real harm. That was one reason. The other reason I always thought was there for the price cap was to ensure that New Zealand doesn't run ahead of international carbon prices. Yeah, it's a soft protect under the new price cap model that came in last year. It's a soft protection against that as well. Mm -hmm. um, if demand for units goes sufficiently high, everybody understands with the new price cap that in the end, if the markets, uh, if the carbon price clearing price for carbon is sixty dollars, and you've got a fifty dollar price cap, that fifty dollars isn't going to hold very long, and the market will get to sixty um, before too long. So everybody understands that. Is a question, I think, of why you need a price cap at all, because we have a well-established cap-and-trade scheme now. It's been around for 13 years. One of the nice things about cap-and-trade is that um, you can write forward contracts. You can actually write hedge contracts that give you the ability as a business and ultimately for your household customers to protect yourself from short-run spikes um, in the carbon price, just like how it works on the electricity market. Every household in the country is protected from short-run spikes in electricity, unless they want to be exposed, um, through these hedge contracts. Well, exactly the same thing applies in the carbon price, so in the carbon market. So the, then the question comes back to, well, why the heck do we have a carbon price at all? It's introducing all of this complex machinery. It's got risk. There's credibility, uh, potential for credibility problems for the ETS coming out of this carbon price. Maybe the government should look seriously about getting rid of the carbon price and it can do so if it can make the case, I think, which it logically can and hopefully credibly can, that there are ways that households can be protected without a, a price cap being in place. And that would solve a lot of problems. I mean, ultimately, the way that the government has control of the carbon price, ultimately by its ability to issue more units, right? In the end, if it doesn't issue enough units and the carbon price goes vertical, it always has the option to issue more units, Um and that's, that's really ultimately supply and demand. That's ultimately um, the way to manage the carbon price. The existing uh, price cap is really just a stopgap, and I think everybody understands that. It's a bit like a central bank printing more money. Um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, the, the government can issue more units in New Zealand, which will raise New Zealand's unit, uh, emissions, without raising global emissions if it's prepared to look offshore, and for every additional unit of issues uh, here, it's prepared to make a deal with another country that reduces emissions elsewhere. I think, you know, frankly, we have to be mature enough to look at that as an option, because we are committed to getting to our emissions targets, and being open to looking offshore to manage our price risk here, you know, ultimately protects the ETS, protects our ability to get to our emissions targets and genuinely brings down global emissions. And I think, yep, there's short-run political issues that that raises. I think ministers have to be looking at 
trying to win that political argument as opposed to um, not addressing it. Yep, and the problem is that the government didn't have that system in place the time it started, the ETS cap. That's. I think there's something in that. To be fair, there's a lot going on. It's a complicated set of issues. I think that it, there's machinery that has to be put in place that's probably pretty complicated. I think, you know, I, I hope that behind the scenes there were questions raised about whether this is worth the trouble, whether it's whether we really need a price cap or if there's an alternative. And in the government's defence, prices really have gone up much more quickly than anybody anticipated, which at one level is good. It speaks to the credibility of the scheme. I think the market is signalling that it believes the ETS is going to be here tomorrow and next week and next decade. That's a really positive thing and a credit to the, um, this government, actually, um, for its stewardship of the ETS. Um, on the other side, we've got this price cap that is actually threatening that credibility, depending on how the government handles things over the next um, three to six months. Okay, I think we'll just have to wait, see what that uh, next uh, auction uh, will yield, and that's in September. That's going to be really interesting, yeah, one September. I think it's going to be complicated. We'll probably talk again, and then next time we'll talk about something simpler like the offside rule. <laughs> So confusing. So, so confusing. difficult. I think we'll leave it here. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Oliver. <laughs>